This is the Reading Instruction Show. I am your host, Dr. Andy Johnson, as always. The topic of today's podcast is coming to a common understanding. Now, much of the great debate, quotation marks, related to reading instruction and interventions is based on the misunderstanding of some basic terms and concepts. The purpose of today's podcast is to bring clarity to these unclear areas. So first, let's look at eight essential literacy terms. First of all, reading. As I've described in previous podcasts, reading is not sounding out words. Reading is creating meaning with print. Misunderstanding this basic concept has led to the design of many inefficient and ineffective reading interventions and has frustrated multitudes. The second essential term is word recognition. Word recognition and word identification are not synonymous. Word recognition refers to instant and automatic identification of a word. You see the word and you know exactly what it is without having to use any word identification strategies. This is the desired end state of word work. The third term is word identification. This refers to the conscious employment of a strategy to figure out words in print that are unknown, but are in students' lexicon. That means they are unrecognized. Now, strategies to identify words include morphemic analysis, context clues, analogy, and phonics. Of these four strategies, using phonics is the least efficient in terms of efficiency and the amount of space required in short-term memory. The fourth commonly misunderstood term is decoding. This refers to using the code, letter or symbol code, to identify unrecognized words in print. In other words, using phonics to sound out letters and identify words. Strategy is the next one. A strategy is a cognitive process that one consciously employs or applies to a task. Students should be taught to consciously apply all four of the word identification strategies I mentioned, as well as comprehension and study skill strategies. The next one is a skill. A skill is a cognitive process that has become automated. That is, you do not have to think about it. In reading, we teach the strategy to develop the skill. This means we teach a variety of word identification and comprehension strategies so that students use them automatically and effortlessly while reading. The seventh term is systematic phonics instruction. Now, almost all teachers and researchers believe that systematic phonics instruction is an important part of any reading curriculum or intervention. However, systematic phonics does not mean that you start at one end of a scope and sequence chart and work your way through in a standardized fashion and in a prescribed sequence without consideration of your students' needs. That would be educational malpractice. 
systematic phonics instruction also does not mean that phonics skills should be taught in isolation, apart from meaningful context. Instead, systematic phonics instruction means that there is some system or arrangement in place to make sure that essential skills are taught, to document when they are taught, and to document when students have learned them. Also, teacher knowledge and expertise should be utilized to make the instructional decisions about what is taught, in what order, and in what context. The last term, the eighth term that is commonly misunderstood, is a balanced approach. A balanced approach to classroom literacy instruction means that there are appropriate amounts of essential skills instruction and word work, reading practice using real texts, writing for authentic purposes, and social interaction around books. So what are the appropriate amounts of these things? Since students are not standardized products, this varies on the student's needs. However, no more than 20 to 30% of literacy instruction occurring in a gen ed setting should be used for skills instruction. That means that 70 to 80% should be used for authentic reading or writing. Now, if this seems like too little skills instruction, keep in mind that students learn literacy skills best in the context of authentic literacy activities not in isolated drill and practice routine. So now let's transition slightly to methods, strategies, and direct instruction. These need a bit of clarification as well. First of all, a strategy is not a method. A method in education usually refers to a defined process or a specific set of techniques that are used exclusively in a prescribed fashion for instruction in a particular subject area. For example, reading methods, math methods, social studies methods. In contrast, a pedagogical strategy is a specific teaching technique that is used selectively in a variety of subject areas for a specific purpose. Direct instruction is one such pedagogical strategy. It should not be considered a method. There are instances when direct instruction is the most effective strategy to use. There are other instances when it is the least effective strategy to use. Like any pedagogical strategy, its effectiveness is dependent on how it is used and for what purpose. Using direct instruction as a method of reading instruction is an example of educational malpractice. Here, it is the only strategy or the main strategy used to teach reading. Sadly, this is what occurs when struggling readers and writers are sent to the special ed room at the other end of the hall. They are given a steady diet of low-level skills instruction with little or no chance to develop the high-level thinking skills associated with authentic reading and writing. And those who need reading practice the most are given the least amount of time to engage in free, voluntary reading practice. 
This means that students who do little reading are exposed to significantly fewer words and have fewer opportunities to practice and develop meaning-making skills that are necessary for reading. Now, direct instruction is effective for learning low-level facts and skills, but it is not very effective at all for higher-level learning. Direct instruction comes in a variety of forms with titles such as programmed instruction, criteria reference instruction, conditions of learning, mastery learning, mastery teaching, strategic instruction, learning strategies, explicit direct instruction, or supported instruction. All of these can be useful tools in certain instances for specific purposes. However, all of these have limitations and should never be or become a method of instruction for anything. Direct instruction can be used to teach specific skills, but the goal of any type of instruction or reading intervention is or should not be for students to master a set of reading skills or subskills. Rather, the goal is for them to develop the ability to create meaning with print. Now let's look at direct instruction in a meaning-based approach. In reading, some form of direct instruction should be used to teach things such as letter sound association, letter patterns, word identification skills, comprehension skills, and study skill strategies. Direct instruction should be a small part of any reading class or intervention. The specific form that direct instruction takes and the amount necessary varies. It usually includes variation of five elements, and I will define them. Number one, a clearly defined purpose. Direct instruction learning experiences are designed to teach a specific skill, procedure, or concept. It is purposeful as opposed to just an experience. The second part is explicit input with demonstration and modeling. Indirect instruction, the input is the specific information that students need to know. When teaching a skill or procedure, this would include a description of the skill or procedure, how to use it, the specific skill or steps, and then examples or teacher modeling. Effective input for direct instruction lessons is well organized with a logical structure to enhance students' assimilation and encoding of that information. If you are teaching a specific skill, the input should not be of great duration. Students learn not by listening or hearing, but they need to do. So the third part is guided practice. Guided practice enables students to practice the skill under the guidance or scaffold of a teacher. The goal here is for them to use or apply the new skill as the teacher monitors to assess learning formative assessment. In using guided practice, the teacher provides a scaffold with a gradual release of responsibility that enables all students to be successful. Small group activities can be effective here because they enable the teacher to see <coughs> many students simultaneously and hear their thought processes as they discuss ideas with others. Excuse me, I had a frog in my throat. The fourth one is independent practice, the fourth part of direct instruction. 
Independent practice is the application of what students already know or can do. It is learning practice used to reinforce the skill. This is not a place to challenge students. Rather, this is the place for them to apply and practice what they have learned. Thus, hence, therefore, students should be able to complete independent practice activities with 95 to 100% success. And the fifth part of direct instruction would be opportunities to review and practice. Learning occurs over time. You cannot expect to teach any skill once and achieve student mastery. You must revisit, review, and reinforce skills many times in different ways at successively higher levels over time for real learning to occur. This is especially true with severely struggling readers who often have difficulties recognize letter patterns. As skills are revisited in a variety of contexts and settings, learning becomes more complete. All right, the last thing, the how and the how much of direct instruction. Almost all teachers, researchers, and scholars believe that direct and explicit instruction is one important part of reading instruction and interventions. It is not the what of direct instruction, it is the how and the how much of direct instruction in which there are offer often differing views. In this regard, three suggestions are provided here for enhancing the effectiveness of direct instruction. Number one, use the least amount necessary. The goal for any reading intervention or instruction is not for students to master a particular set of reading skills or sub-skills. Rather, it is to enhance their ability to create meaning with print. So how much direct instruction should be used for a reading intervention? The least amount necessary. The second point, the initial instruction must be whole to complex, or whole to part, I'm sorry. Complex learning of any kind occurs best when it is whole to part. We learn skills best if we're able to get a sense of the whole first and then we are taught the individual skill. In literacy instruction, this means that students should be immersed in authentic reading and writing experiences first and then taught the skills necessary to decode, to identify words, comprehend, or write. This enables learners to see the big picture as a context for the sub-skills they are taught related to reading and writing. This means any type of word work should occur to the greatest extent possible within the context of authentic texts or sentences. And the last point, instruction should be briskly paced. Learning is significantly reduced when it is too long. All right. This does not mean that the duration of an entire reading lesson should be short. Instead, small bits of direct instruction should be used that are briskly paced, two to no more than eight minutes for a single element, with pause or reflective activities between each. Remember, the brain learns best when instruction is provided in small bits, followed by a pause for students to process or do something with that new instructional input. All right, this has been the Reading Instruction Show. Hopefully I've brought new understanding to some commonly misunderstood terms.